man, you guys are awesome. You made it to church. Now, I don't know if it's because you're like brave and like the weather didn't bother you if you're just so desperate to get out of your house and, uh, and possibly even for some of you give your kids to someone else for about an hour or so. I get it, it's fine. I, I'm just glad you're here. It is interesting to see the progression over the last few days because snow hit and everybody's just so excited. It's just the greatest thing ever. And all that changed, I think, like day three. It's just like, uh, I'm so over it. But uh, I am glad you guys are here. We are in this series on the Holy Spirit. If you happen to miss last week, uh, it's, it's kind of foundational to what we've been talking about. And so I'd encourage you, you can find uh, that message pretty much anywhere on our website or on our Facebook page. Uh, we actually uh, have that posted from our 11 o'clock service as well. And if you didn't get a chance to be here or you didn't get a chance to hear that sermon, I'd encourage you uh, to go back and listen to that. Uh, just to recap, I think probably one of the more important things we talked about last week is the fact that the Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is a, he's the third person of the Trinity. And uh, when Jesus said, Jesus said, I will send you another helper. Another helper means something else of the same kind. And I think that's so important. The Holy Spirit is not a downgrade from Jesus. He is the same. He is just as powerful. But, but the, 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 the great thing about Jesus or about the Holy Spirit is, although he is a person, he is omnipresent, meaning that he can be at all places, at all times, at the same time. And, and that's why when Jesus said, it's better for you to go, so that this helper, that this person that is as powerful as I am can come because he could be poured out onto all people. And that's good news for us. Uh, and I, I, I think that your ability to interact, your desire and willingness to interact with him as a person in your relationship with God is so important. The Holy Spirit has this key assignment on earth, and that is helping us personally as we walk out our spiritual life. And a spiritual life is difficult, uh, especially in the day and age we're living in. It's not getting easier and easier to walk as a believer. It's getting more and more difficult. How many of you remember when you first had kids maybe your first kid, and you were so excited. It felt like the greatest goal ever was to get them to walk, right? Although there's not really a whole lot that we have to do with that process. Like I've found that kids just kind of start walking when they're ready. Uh, but for parents, it feels like, man, this is, this is a great accomplishment. And so when your first child started walking, it was a big deal, right? I bet you there were some videos. I bet you there were some pictures that were taken. And you're thinking, man, our lives are about to change. And that child is thinking, I can reach everything. And I will put everything in my mouth. This is going to be the best thing ever. But you learn, like, yeah, they're walking. But that presents some challenges. It's amazing, but it also means you're gonna have to help them navigate through life more than you did before because they're moving, they're mobile. The key to getting everything that God has for you is to walk 
with the Spirit. He's the one helping you walk. And he wants us to be led by him. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's a really important qualifying statement there. Like, how do you walk in the fullness of being a daughter or a son of the King of Kings? It's being submitted to his Spirit. It's walking with him. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking. He will glorify Jesus for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So before I talk about how he leads us, I also think it's important for us to be aware of a few of the ways that we can be led astray. One way that we get led astray, we get led astray when we follow culture. In Exodus 23, 2, it says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now this is our God speaking to the Israelites. And, and the big issue and the big cycle that kept happening with God's people over and over and over again is, is they kept getting influenced by everyone around them. In fact, for thousands and thousands of years, the biggest issue with God's people was always that they wanted to be like somebody else. They wanted to have what some other culture had. And, and God was constantly warning them, giving them laws, giving them boundaries to try to protect them, but they continually kept pursuing this. But just like God said over the Israelites, because of the new covenant, of the blood of Jesus, because of our acceptance as Gentiles, because of Jesus, God said to his people, but you are holy and set apart. And because of Jesus, he says the same thing to us. No, you are holy, set apart, and you've got to embrace that. If you want to fit in with the crowd, you will definitely be led astray over and over and over again. And you have to understand this, not everything that the crowd is doing is always going to be apparently evil. In fact, many things that culture and the crowd will do will seem and be apparently good. But just because it looks good and just because it's written into our history and written into law and written into all different types of things doesn't mean it's godly, doesn't mean it's God's will doesn't mean it's God's best. But you have to be aware that if you follow culture, you will be led astray. I get led astray when I read way too much into circumstances. When I read too much into circumstances, I heard people say this, and I, I understand their intent, but they'll say, all things happen for a reason. Must be God's hand. That's not true. Things happen for different reasons. The thing that is true is that all things work together for good. But you got to know the rest of that. It says, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, God can't work everything for your good if you're not in love with him. God can't work everything for your good if you don't have a relationship with him. And it is difficult for you to see him working for the good if you are not walking in your purpose. And your purpose is actually not about you. 
Your purpose is about everyone else and his kingdom and souls. So understand the full context of that promise because it's so powerful and it so, gives us so much hope. God works all things to the good. We all want some of that for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So that is true, but the reality is things happen for different reasons. And a lot of the things that happen, a lot of the circumstances happen because the world is full of dumb people. I'm dumb sometimes. You are dumb sometimes. I was going to say stupid, but I know that that is a bad word in some of your homes and some of your kids are in here. So I won't say stupid. But sometimes people are that word. But we have a tendency. Have you ever met somebody, and some of you are, if you're not sure, if like you've never met this person, you're probably this person. Just hyper-spiritualizes everything. Like I missed my flight. I guess the Lord just didn't want me to go on that business trip. Well, let's look into that. Why'd you miss your flight? Well, yeah. I mean, I did wake up an hour later than I was supposed to. Okay, that's probably not God. That's not God's fault. Man, there's a traffic jam. Somebody up there must be in sin. That's why this is happening. Somebody needs to repent. Some of y'all been feeling that with this weather. Like somebody, somebody in Arkansas is in sin. They need to repent so this will all go away but we read too much into those circumstances. I'm having a bad heart, hair day. I must not supposed to be leaving the house today. Oh, the offering bucket didn't come down my row. God must not want me to give today. We read into the circumstances. So if you read into every circumstance, and live your life according to those circumstances, and Satan will set you up for disaster. In the book of Acts, there's this story where Paul is actually a prisoner, but they're getting ready to transport him. And so they're getting ready to put him in a boat, but it is a bad time of year to be sailing. But then, all of a sudden, it says that this favorable breeze, or this good breeze came up, and so all the sailors in the ship like, this is great. This is exactly what we're looking for. But Paul cautions them and warns them and says, no, if you, if you go, you're going into disaster. He prophetically knew this was not gonna work out. But they pushed off, and they pushed off anyway. And they sailed right into a hurricane. Right into this disastrous situation. Man, the deception of a gentle breeze sent from hell that can happen in our lives when we're letting our lives be led by our circumstances instead of by truth and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You've gotta to get to a place of maturity where you can say, look, I'm not gonna be led by circumstances and situations. I'm not gonna be deceived like that. I also get led astray when I follow my feelings. Look, God gave us feelings. God has feelings. 
but he never intended for us to be led by them because all feelings ultimately are temporary. All feelings. Like even if you have a panic attack, it's still temporary. Even if you're elated at Disney World, it's temporary. Your team wins a national championship, temporary. I don't know about you, but I care like, like a two out of 10 about all that right now. Like it just, it just seems kind of meaningless. It's all so temporary. Feelings lie. Proof is this last week, all of us have had some really strong feelings, but they're temporary. Even the, our feelings about this snow and this storm, like it's gonna melt off. Like most of it's gonna be gone by the end of this service. But we've all had some feelings this week, like, man, I feel like eating that. Man, I feel like eating that. Anybody had that feeling at all this week? Like, just, I, just felt, I just feel like I'm supposed to eat. I mean, I gotta survive. Nobody really knows. You know, I, never, I didn't really get like the COVID-10 everybody was talking about, you know, like everybody put on 10 pounds during COVID. I didn't get that, but I did get the snowstorm seven. Like I got a little bit of that, like, cause I was putting some food down this last week. But in all seriousness, if we're led by all the things, we do get really unhealthy. We get in a really bad place when it's about our feelings. A while back, I met with a guy who had left his wife. And, and he was married to an amazing woman of God. And I asked him, why, why are you doing this? And he said, well, I have a peace about it. Like, I think I'm supposed to be with so-and-so. I feel like God has given me a piece about it. And honestly, I didn't know what to do. So I slapped him across the face as hard as I could. I'm kidding. I wanted to, but I disobeyed God and I didn't slap him. I probably should have. Listen, until you die, your sinful nature, your flesh is going to have something to say. But when you are led by the Spirit, you will always let God have the last word. So how does the Spirit lead? One of my favorite verses, this is a different translation than I normally use. In Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. I wanna encourage some of you that no matter how jacked up your life has been to this point, it is amazing how just a little bit of time with the Spirit of God and walking in obedience to the Spirit of God can redeem time. It can redeem your life can redeem time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another 
in Psalms. Some of y'all are filled with some spirits sometimes. It's just a wrong spirit. Speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So I want to break some of this down. It says, first though, it says walk. Walk circumspectly, meaning carefully. Walk carefully with the Lord. Walking implies a few things. First of all, it implies that the Holy Spirit is taking you somewhere. He wants to take you somewhere. You are not going in circles. You're not headed down a dead end road. The Holy Spirit has a destination and it has everything to do with the good, pleasing and perfect will of God for your life. When you start being led by the Holy Spirit, your life gets traction. And, uh, and we appreciate traction, <laughs> don't we? Because when you don't have it, you don't go anywhere. But when you start being led by the Holy Spirit, he gives you traction. Your life starts expanding and growing. And the amazing thing is you will know what it feels like to be able to say, I'm at my best. And the fruit of the Spirit is affecting everything else in my life. There's nothing like that. Walking is continuous motion. I've heard people say, I've been walking with God for 20 years, and that's just a Southern religious phrase. But walking means I don't stop. I don't stop. Paul says that he's a servant of, of the Lord. He's a minister of the gospel. Another translation says a servant of the gospel. And when you read into the, the Greek form of that word, serving, the Greek culture was one of the very first cultures that developed the restaurant idea where they would actually have big rooms where people would be served. But most of these restaurants were outdoors and the floors were dirt. And so these servers would run around so quickly and be so focused and intentional about how they would take care of people that would literally kick up dust it would literally kick up dust and it became an issue because then there was like dust in the food. And so they realized like, okay, we are, we're gonna have to do something about the floors in here. And that's when a lot of the dining came inside. But I, I love that picture of when we are serving the way God intends us to serve, we will kick up dust. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that aren't kicking up dust, they're just collecting dust. But I do believe that God intends for there to always be movement, forward motion in our walk. A while back, we went on a, on a hike with our family. And I will say, it was a relatively long hike. It was longer than we intended for it to be, but we brought our dog, Holly. Um, we've never been big pet people, but we got a dog, and she's also actually pretty awesome, mostly because she's small, she doesn't shed, and when she does her thing, it's small too. And that's, I appreciate all those things. And, uh, but she's, she's pretty sweet, but she's not tough at all. There's nothing tough about this dog. She tries to act tough, but it's, you just, you just, 
Oh, bless her heart. You know, she's just not tough. But she was on this hike with us. And we got about four miles into this thing and she just decided she was done. She's just done. And so next thing I know, I, I look back and one of the kids was, had her on, on a leash, but Holly is no longer walking. She's just dragging behind the, just like, Holly, get up. Holly, get up. No, no, it wasn't happening. Some of us have children that are like this. You know, just they just do the limp noodle thing, just like not going, done. I find there's been times in my life where God, or at least the Holy Spirit, has to talk to me like a pet. Like, come on, James. Come on, Jamesy. You can do it, buddy. Come on. Just keep walking. Keep moving. I'm tired. You gotta keep moving. You gotta keep walking. I went on a, I went and climbed a mountain in Colorado with one of our other pastors, Marcus Brown. This is a few years ago. He had on his bucket list that he wanted to climb a 14er, a mountain that was 14,000 feet tall. So, so we drove out to Colorado and we were gonna go hike Pikes Peak. And I'd hiked it many times. Uh, before, so I just knew, like, I knew the train. I knew, like, he was, he's from Louisiana, so I was a little concerned he was going to die, but I tried to make sure that, like, I set him up, like, hey, man, you really need to be in shape for this, like, that, uh, even if you're in really great shape, you're, you're not going to be used to the oxygen levels when you get above tree line. This is, it's going to be tough for you, and, and, and it was tough. I mean, it's not a super easy hike. It's pretty long. And, and we got up around tree line, and when that oxygen wasn't as much as it used to be, it got difficult. And he wanted to stop. He wanted to stop. I just need to stop. And, and, but I know that, that if you stop, and especially since oxygen levels are lower, the acid is gonna start building up in your muscles quickly. And it is going to hurt way more stopping and trying to start again than if you just keep moving. You've gotta move. I feel like there's sometimes maybe even with some of our friends where we let them stop. We let them stop. Like life is hard. These things, you weren't expecting these things. This is difficult, yes. But if you stop, it's gonna hurt you way more than if you just keep moving. But I'll also say this. Sometimes that means you need to come up alongside of them and say, I'm gonna help you keep moving. But you've gotta move. You've gotta move. Some of you, you stopped walking. You're at church, but it doesn't mean you're walking with the Holy Spirit. You need to start moving again. It's hurting you so much not walking. You gotta move. Walking shows dependence. Walking shows dependence. When I physically walk, when I take a step, I am resting on something. 
And when I take another step, I'm resting on something else. And I'm showing I'm going to depend for that next step. And it is very similar in your walk with the Holy Spirit. Every step you're showing, I'm going to depend. I'm going to trust. I'm trusting in you, God. Help me do what I cannot do on my own. Because the moment you say, I can do this on my own, you are going to quench the Holy Spirit and he does not hang out around pride. When you are dependent, it unlocks the Holy Spirit to fulfill his assignment in your life to help you. To help you. And the payoff is the word of God comes alive when you read it. The word of God will lead you. The church becomes a family. You'll find connection to brothers and sisters who will speak into your life and help lead you. You'll hear sermons and you'll think, man, that was written just for me. But you will also have something else that the Holy Spirit does. And that's this inward witness. And you will have to have this. Because the truth is there won't always be a verse for every little intricate thing in your life. There are tons of moral principles in here, without a doubt. But there's not always detailed answers to everything. So you're gonna have to have the Holy Spirit speaking inside of you because there's gonna be times in your life when you will need that peace that can only come from heaven, that can only come from his spirit. There are gonna be times in your life when you're gonna need this inward witness that helps you make these decisions like, do I get this major surgery or not? Do I do chemo or not? Do I marry this person or not? And when you're around the Holy Spirit enough, you, he will help you. He'll lead you. But you gotta recognize his presence. Your need for him. I'm sure at one point or another, anybody that's raised kids, you, you thought, man, remember that movie we watched when we were kids? Man, let's watch that. I bet our kids will like that. But then you realize maybe your parents were not as good of parents as you thought they were because of some of the movies they let you watch. Like a great example is the movie Goonies. We're like, oh, I can't wait to show our kids this movie. We got into that. We're just, we find ourselves apologizing a lot. Oh, sorry, kids. Oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't, re- I didn't remember that being, I didn't, oh, sorry. Oh, my. Then she just turns stuff off. It's like, we're bad parents and not very good Christians, apparently. Like, we, we watched all this stuff. So what's the difference? The difference is you'd never watch that movie with your kids in the room with you. That's the difference. When you have a full realization that the Holy Spirit is in the room with you, it changes the way you see things. It should bring a conviction to your life. It says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I, I... I'm sorry I let myself be open to that. 
to what I watched, to what I heard. The dependency on him has to be protected because he's, he's a part of the Trinity and he's holy. And, and you can, you can quench him. In other words, you can, you can shut down some of the things that God, he wants to do in your life if you just refuse to be sensitive to how he would lead you. The interesting thing is when the Holy Spirit starts to pull back, does it quietly. And, and you'll re, you won't realize it necessarily right away until you get to that place. You're just like, man, I just, my life doesn't feel powerful. It doesn't feel anointed. It doesn't, I don't have peace. I've lost my joy. The great thing is you can get him back, but you, you have to be dependent on him and protect that dependency. The world wants your soul to be the boss of your spirit, but I just want my spirit to be the boss of my soul. So how do I tune into that leading, the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let's go back to this passage of scripture, verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And some of you are like, okay, this is gonna get weird because we're all just gonna start singing weird songs to each other. And, but I'll break this down, what this is saying giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So the first thing this is talking about, how do you tune in and be led by the Holy Spirit? There has to be an atmosphere of worship. The Holy Spirit fills environments that is filled with worship. And you have to understand that worship is not an event or a part of a service, it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle, it is something you do as often as you possibly can. It is a position of your heart as much as it is an action of your singing. It is a position of your heart, it is a position of your priorities. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also saying worship. God wants your heart. He wants your worship. So this is a great first step. Also the attitude of thanksgiving. The Holy Spirit adds to the areas that you recognize and appreciate his hand moving. The Holy Spirit doesn't show off for himself. He doesn't get showy for himself and it, and it doesn't help for you to show off either. But when you give thanksgiving to God, the Holy Spirit reacts. And I think he says, look, there's way more where that comes from. I'm gonna hook you up. Because he recognizes and likes being around people that recognize where everything comes from. And it's him. 
and being thankful for that. And also the action of serving. This is that last part it says in submitting to one another. This is realizing there's a role that I have. So here's a phrase that will win your wife, your kids. It'll win you favor in your place of employment. I can do that for you. <laughs> I can do that for you. I don't mind helping you out with that. Well, the Holy Spirit is a helper. And I find that he clings to helpers. I find that he likes being around people that like doing what he does. He's a helper. He likes being around helpers. And it is the helper who anoints those who love to help. And I know that word anoint, you may not have context for that, but this is what it means. It just means more of his presence. It means more of his power. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need more of that. So we're gonna respond to that. We're actually gonna do all three of those. We're gonna have an atmosphere of worship. And, and I would encourage you, don't sing a song because you're in church. Don't even sing the song because you like the song. Put your heart in a position of submission and saying, I want you to have all of me. And then during this song, I just want you to th think of something that you can be thankful for. Even tell him, even tell him, I, I find that speaking thankfulness around the things of God helps me so much. Sometimes my own ears need a reality check, just how blessed I am, how much he's helped me. And then I'd also encourage you, ask him to put on your heart an area that you can help, an area that you can help. A neighbor, a coworker, a family member, your church. We need to be spirit-led. We need to be spirit-led. It's always been important. But just like this verse says, because the days are evil, as evil increases, our need to move with purpose, to keep moving with purpose, and to, to depend on Him to meet our purpose, so important. Let's all stand together. Father God, as we worship you with this song, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. We invite you to have your way. Let our hearts be fully open. We ask that you would take our worship 
not just start singing. Truth is, most of us can't do that very well anyway. But God, the intention of our heart. Lord, would you remind us of everything we have to be thankful for, to give you glory for, to give you glory. And then would you stir in our hearts what our purpose is and how we can pour out what you pour in. In Jesus' name.